What is up, everyone? It is Brandon T. Adams, and it's been a while. And you know what? I wanted to be able to just share with you my new podcast, The Brandon T. Adams Audio Experience, which you can find on iTunes and Apple and Spotify and all the places out there. But what I'm going to do here is I'm going to also share with you some of the best of my interviews and thoughts every once in a while that I'll put up here on the Live to Grind podcast. But in the meantime, you can check out the Brandon T. Adams Audio Experience. We are everywhere. Go give me a listen. Every single Tuesday, I'm sharing whether an interview or insights from my own experiences happen in the journey, but also I'm repurposing some content and sharing with you past interviews from over the last decade. Some of my best interviews from Kevin Harrington's Shark Tank to Jeff Hoffman at Priceline.com to Jake Paul to you name it. So many different people that I come and bring on the podcast for the Brennan T. Adams Audio Experience. But what I'm going to do here is I'm going to share with you the episode I had with Jacob K. Mead, who is an entrepreneur in my own home state of Iowa. And he's going to talk about how you can buy your time back and some of the things he's working on. So we're going to get right into it. Let's get started. This is the Brandon T. Adams Audio Experience. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Brandon T. Adams Audio Experience. I'm Brandon T. Adams, and this is episode 48. And this interview is with Jacob K. Mead. This interview I did with Jacob, actually, we sat down at my place in Nashville, and I asked him about his journey in entrepreneurship and business. And we met back, I believe it was Young Entrepreneur Convention in Des Moines, Iowa, back when I actually lived there, which now he he lives in that area. And both Iowa people, so I really instantly connected with him. But Jacob actually joined our mastermind here a few months back for the Rise of Cord Mastermind. And Jacob and I sat down and we talked about his business and how he took his business from zero to a million dollar business in 36 months and now having a seven figure a year business where he can work 20 hours or less. And we talk about this, buying your time. He goes through his whole step process with how you can buy your time back, be be more efficient with your time, but also how you can step away from your business. He actually took two years off where he stepped away from his business to see if it could run and still be successful without him. And it was, and it still maintained a seven-figure annual year business. So very great story. Jacob's an amazing guy. He is a consultant. He's actually helping other people do the same thing with buying their time back. He has a podcast, Buy Time Podcast, and we're going to go over all this in the interview. If you want to learn more about Jacob, you can go to jacobkme.com. That's his website. But let's jump right in this interview. You're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to like this one. Listen to it. You might listen to it a couple times, but let's jump right into it with Jacob K. Mead. Welcome back to the Brandon C. Adams Audio Experience. I'm Brandon C. Adams. I'm sitting here with Jacob K. Mead. How are you doing, Jacob? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. We're in Nashville here. We're in new place here, I guess my new home base here in downtown Nashville. You've been in for a conference here the last couple days, correct? Yeah, I have. It's been a great time. So we're going to jump into just your area of expertise, your background with your business, how you built it up to a seven-figure year business, but also talk about some of your experiences in business, buying time back. But before we jump into all that, I want to kind of give the listeners just a kind of perspective of how we met because 
you're an Iowa boy. <laughs> I'm an Iowa boy. <laughs> and we met in Des Moines, Iowa. Sure did. But where give them just kind of background how we met and got introduced yeah so i've been following you for a while um i'm not one to get on social media very often yeah. or like share uh content and following kind of behind the scenes and um seeing what you've been able to do and kind of building your personal brand and what you've yeah. done there and um really we got to, to connecting you know had a cup of coffee and you know we've kind of been staying connected ever since was it was it young entrepreneur convention the first ever event it that, was it was the first one that I officially went that you put on. Yeah, that was about six years ago, right? Yeah, it was about six years ago. And then it's because I was just starting my business out and kind of want to know what it was all about. Yeah. and um, yeah, and so that's kind of when I first got started. And then I just kind of been following the journey since. It's crazy the power of social media. It's uh, it's crazy. And I remember one day you messaged me like I. I think you said I'm the one that doesn't really like or comment, but I've been watching your videos. <laughs> the lurkers, I call it. Sometimes. I'm the lurker in the background. Um, yeah. Now I'm starting to become more of the face up front yeah. and making those video content. But. So where where are you originally from? I'm originally from Burlington, Iowa, southeast yep. Iowa, a smaller area, about thirty-five thousand people or less, and. Um, I, I was originally born in Dubuque, Iowa. Okay. So then my I used parents, to live there for a short period of time. Yep. Yes. And then my parents moved down to um, Burlington, Iowa. My dad got a really good job offer there. And um, then I moved up to Des Moines, Iowa for a job offer. So. so do you consider yourself like a born entrepreneur or what was your first entrepreneur endeavor? So I've always been... I've always had the mindset of I can do anything I put my mind to. And yeah. my very first entrepreneur endeavor would have been building websites. So in high okay. school, um, I had built a website and I remember I went to my dad and was like, hey, can you build this website? And he goes, no, I'm not gonna build it for you. I was like, oh, You gotta okay. figure it out yourself. And he goes, I will buy the tool for you to be able to build it. And there was a tool called Expression Webs by Microsoft at the time, and he purchased that for How me. How old were you? Uh, I would have been 16 at the time. Okay. I was 16 years old. And he bought that for me, and I would go home from school, spend hours building this website, um, sometimes staying up late in the night, and I would do that over and over and over and over, until finally I, I realized, hey, wait, I can do this for other businesses. And then that was the turning point. I went out to different businesses. I printed a bunch of flyers with a horrible logo, horrible logo yeah. from Microsoft Word. Like this thing was atrocious. Yeah. Um, and I was 16. Like who's going to? What was the business called? It was called Spazzy Webs. Spazzy or Spazzy Webs. It was, more, it was actually Spazzy Designs, um, and then I rebranded it to Spazzy Webs. Um, you know, it was just it was wonderful. Yeah. I still have a screenshot of that today, but. Yeah, I went out to these businesses and I went to quite a few businesses and out of all the businesses I went to, I was able to get three people to have me build a website. And I undercharged at that time. What did you charge back then? Uh, 500 bucks. But you um, were 16. But I was 16. 500 bucks is like a gold mine. And the thing is, it's $500 and I was providing all of this content. You know, I was thinking about content to put on there and I was really doing what I could to build up that website. And I was even understanding SEO and how to, you know, get the clients better views. And it taught me a lot because it taught me one thing, don't undervalue yourself. Um, know, know your worth. Yep. Um, but it really gave me the start to my journey. So that was your first entrepreneur endeavor where you actually made money from providing a service or offer for somebody. You're 16 years old. Now talk about the next entrepreneur journey that you took on. 
So the very next one I took on, I took a short, I was always doing things kind of on the side, um, but I took a short little break and, and went to work for Radio Shack full time and, and learned a lot of sales in the process of working for Radio Shack. And one of the big things in Radio Shack that I learned was don't be an informational kiosk. Uh, make what sure do you mean by that? So people will come to you because they want your service or product, but the last thing you want to do is just talk to them about that service or product. Um, you want to be able to sell that service or product. And he, the, my, my district manager at the time in Radio Shack said, Jacob, you're really good at knowing your information. You're really good at understanding things but you need to be able to sell that product or service. And so he really taught me not just to be a free informational kiosk where people walk in, they get information and they walk away, but he taught me how to add value to people's lives. And so I was really appreciative of that. And then that led me to a journey with, with Sprint, a wireless carrier at the time, uh, as a lead technician. And then from being a lead technician, I was with them for a few years. I was like, it's time for me to open up my own business. And I went all in. Um, had no idea what I was doing and just kind of went all in. So before we go into that, going into your business, at Radio Shack, what did he teach you to help you not just become an informational kiosk, but somebody that could convert that person walking in to a customer? Did you ask the right questions? What did you? What was your sales tactics? If somebody listening right now is at Radio Shack and they're like, Jacob, I want to know how to sell. What did you do? Well, I mean, Radio Shack, you know, they may not be open now, but they sure taught me a lot in my district. Yeah, are they closed now? I don't even know. Yeah, they're, they're closed now. They, <laughs> Sorry, they're gone. They're <laughs> gone. If it was alive. But they still taught me a lot. And here's the thing is um, Tyler Bloomer was my district manager at the time, and he had these very pointy shoes that you could hear click that walks on the floor. So you always knew when Tyler Bloomer was nearby. And... I remember I was like not closing sales. I was struggling and I was like, this isn't for me. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do sales, this isn't for me. And he comes up and he goes, how's it going? I'm telling him, everyone's like, says thanks for the information. And they walk away. They always say, thank you, you've given me a lot to think about. And they walk away. And he goes, because you're a free informational kiosk. You give them a lot to think about, but you don't close the sale. Mm -hmm. And that's, that really resonated with me and so I, I asked, I said, what do I need to do to close the sale? And the biggest thing he said is, ask for it. And ask that, for the sale. It, 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 ask for so the good. sale. And so that really resonated Don't get what you don't and, ask and for. And ever since that day, I, I, was, I was scaling in the charts. So I was like number one salesperson um, for months in a row, best customer service, uh, because I was asking for the sale. And people loved it. People loved me saying, hey, this is what you need. And I know that this is what you need and providing it for them. So, so I'm a customer, I come in, and I, you say, well, what are you looking for today? And I say, I'm looking for this, whatever. What would be your next kind of questions you would ask? Because you gotta ask the right questions to lead to the conversation to the sale. Absolutely, find out what, what they really need. They may be thinking they need one thing, <clears throat> in reality they need something completely different. Yep. Always ask the right questions. And once you start asking the right questions, you know, hey, what are you looking to do with, with this particular device? If I'm selling a phone, uh, what what are you- um, Like what are their pain what, points? Yeah, what are, what are your pain points? Are you a multitasker? Are you a gamer? Um, do you do more business? Uh, what kind of apps are you are you using? And once you start narrowing down what they do, you're able to really help find a product or service for them. Okay, so now that I got your sales tactics, going into mobile spot. Talk about just beyond the scenes of where you even came up with the concept of creating that business and the first, let's say, 12 months of the business before we get into it. Because you're year nine now? Yeah, we're in year nine now. Year nine, yep. so year one. 
So very, I was always kind of tinkering with devices outside of my apartment, one bedroom apartment at the like time. Like phones? Or... Phones, tablets, repairing them all, just kind of tinkering, <clears throat> screens, charge ports. And I had a whole lit, like the, I had four or five devices lined up at one time on my counter. And I remember I'm working on them all and I said, you know, I really need to turn this into a full-time business because people need the service. People, people are looking for this service. And that's when I decided, well, I was going to quit working at my job at Sprint. And I was going to go in full time. And I remember so many people were like, you're crazy. Because at the time I was making some good money and I, you know, I was killing it with sales. And I said, you're crazy. And I said, I make me crazy, but I'm doing it anyways. And that started the complete journey. Mm -hmm. So you, you jump in. You, did you have an investment and an investor? How, how did you fund the original? I knew nothing about business. I was all on my own. I, I studied up, I read. The big thing that I, I remember when I, is I wrote out this business plan. I knew having a business plan was important. And I had this business plan all written out and it, would, it looked nice. It was a full written out business plan and I took it to the bank and I was super confident. I walked in there and they said, we'll be right with you, Mr. Mead. I'm like, yeah, this is what, this is what, it, this is truly a business person. Sit down. I explained to them everything, showed them how I can make money. And they said, we don't foresee it being profitable. We're going to have to pass. And I said, okay, it was kind of let down. I remember that it was a very big point of my business. How much were you asking? Um, at the time to get started, I was only asking them easily fifty thousand dollars yeah. to to get started, which was nothing. I mean, people take out car loans bigger than that, yeah. right? So I thought no big deal that they would be able to give this to me. Went to the next bank, they basically said, "Well, we just don't have much experience, and um, you're a little too young, so we're not." You were twenty two. I was twenty two at the time. Yeah, so we don't really feel comfortable in giving you a business loan. It's it's really hard to get a business loan. I'm sitting here like I can go get a fifty thousand dollar car loan. I can't get a business loan though. Mm -hmm. um, no one believed in me, and so then I went to another bank, and same thing. So there's three banks I went to, and at that time I said, you know, no one believes in me, but I believe in myself, and that's when I looked at my personal finances, uh, used used the credit cards that I had, utilized. Um, the amount of credit that I had on those, and mm -hmm. I opened up. Mobile. How much credit did you have at the time? So between everything, about I had right around that fifty thousand um, dollars yep. in total credit, and I I came pretty close to maxing most of that out. But so. you leveraged that credit line, uh, OPM other people's money, OPC other people's credit, or the credit card company's ability, and so you use that to be able to start your business. So talk about the first three to six months. Yeah. Give people like um, really the insight of the fire that happened, everything, like you how know, you got your first deal, your so clients. I think some people go into this mindset, you know, you have people say, you know, build it and they will come, yeah. right? Build the dreams. <laughs> build, build it and they will come. And so you go into it with this mindset of people are just going to show up. You're going you're gonna to have people up at the door. They're going to show up. It's not the case. Um, I think the first two days... I was open, I maybe seen three customers. Yeah. And that starts to create some sort of doubt in you and you start to think, am I doing the right thing? Um, am I really capable of doing this? And overcoming that was the biggest challenge because that is something that took me the longest time is, is to overcome that. But if you stick to it, consistency 
and in, in three months after I, I started, I was seeing a, a really good steady supply of customers. They were coming, they were coming in. in the store. They were coming into the store. And, and what really drove me to, like, to keep doing what I was doing was the appreciations from the customers that we got. We got people saying things like, thank you so much. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I didn't know you existed. You've really saved my life because people's devices are their lifeline. And they still are to this day. So we got that, and I and I, I just really strive to please people and help them the best I can. And so that's really what kept me going. So you were selling or fixing devices? Like, give an example. I was doing both. I was selling the so devices. Phones, so computers, phones, computers, what? Tablets, not computers at the time when we first started, but phone, tablets. I didn't have a large inventory. I didn't have that that massive inventory. But people were still coming to me because they trusted me and they trusted that I would lead them in the right direction. And I learned all of that from my previous sales experience with Radio Shack and Sprint. Okay, so you were making money by repairing things and then also selling them. At first, it was just you, right? Yeah, at first, you had a store I mean, just you. At, at first, it's just me and my wife would come in every now and then to help. And, <laughs> Um, actually she was your first customer. She was, <laughs> she was my first customer. And that's a, it's really cool when I was able to hire my first employee. That is such a scary experience. And I think how far into the business were you? Did I you was hire? six months in. So I was very fortunate. I was able to hire my first employee about six months into the into the business. And I hired him on as uh, part time and just to kind of help me out. And he was amazing. And I remember I hired him on and I said, I got some time. I can go grab lunch. And I, I was super ecstatic that I was able to just step out of the store for just a little bit. And that was my first eye-opener of like, hey, you know, I can really do this. So the first year in business, what was your revenue? So the first year in business, I mean, I think we did a hundred and about $120,000 in revenue. 120000 And then by what year was it when you hit a million in a year? So total... Like um, a million in, in, in a year, so would have been by year f five we hit um, a million in, in, in a year. So t to give people kind of insight, because most people are still striving to get to that million a year mark, what was it that you had to put in place to go from year one, 120,000 to year five, six, where you're at a million revenue in a year? What were some of the steps you put in place to hit that milestone? Yeah, so... Step one is understanding your profitability. So many people out there, I have a million dollar business, I have a multi-million dollar yeah. business. It doesn't mean that you're bringing in a million dollars. What's your um, net? What do you take and, home? And it's what do you take home at the end of the day? And then what are you reinvesting into your business? Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I always say it's important to reinvest into your business because you're reinvesting into yourself. You're reinvesting into your belief. You're reinvesting into your dreams. And that's what's going to pay off in the long mm -hmm. run. And so that's what I did. Every single uh, dime that came in, I pretty much reinvested into the business. I looked at ways that we could branch out. I made great connections. And through those connections were opportunities. And then once you get those opportunities, you start building off from those. You start getting you know deals here, contracts here. You start working with some school districts. You start working with different businesses. And they start to see the value that you provide to them and they'll invest in your business because you're providing a value to them. What kind of marketing strategies did you implement to get yourself out there? Quite a few. So we did a lot of advertising, uh, a lot of Google ads, Facebook ads at the time. Craigslist was a thing and, and we used Craigslist. Was a and free, what, what did the ad say? Like give an example. If somebody's looking on their computer tablet, what would the ad say that got them to want to come in? A lot of times it was just showing them a broken device and then someone could relate. They could say, hey, I have that. 
Like that's me. And being relatable to your customer, and that's all about sales. Being yep. relatable, how can you relate to get that customer to buy that product, to buy that service? So one thing I know you did is you gained uh, contract for all school districts. What, what did you do to get a big contract like that? Like what was the thing you did that led you to that? That's about, big... that's about connections. Yeah. Uh, really, I was connecting with the owner of Des Moines Computer Repair, and he said, hey, we're no longer going to be servicing these, these school districts. Um, and through that connection, he was, yeah, he says, do you want to take over? And I said, yeah, this is something that I think we can do and I think we can handle. And that's what we did. And so it was through building that connection. Connections are important. Networking is important through building that connection. I was able to gain that, th those contracts. It's crazy how a couple of relationships could just completely open up a door. You just never know. hundred percent. And, and, and your competition, I always tell people this too, your competition isn't your enemy utilize them you all can help each other um i will send things to other businesses my competition if i'm not capable and we'll get some business from them as well so utilize each other um, your competition is not always your enemy so i know one thing you talk about is is buying your time and really having something run without you there one thing that's so fascinating to me and that most people never figure out is how to get something on autopilot. So you spent two years, you made a commitment to yourself to spend two years on yourself and self-development, being outside of your business and let it run, let your team run it. Can you give like <laughs> some tips on how you did that and what it felt like when you said, okay, I'm gonna be out of the business and I'm gonna let the team run it and I'm not gonna go in. How did you do it? <laughs> so. If you ever been skydiving at the edge of that plane door and you're just sitting there and you're about to ready to jump, that's the feeling, right? <laughs> you're scared. Um, yeah. It is the scariest thing you can do because you're relinquishing a lot of that control. You're relinquishing a lot of uh, what you're able to do in your business. And yeah. I'm all about working on your business versus working in your business. Yeah. Um, you own the business. You don't want the business to own you. Mm -hmm. And so... That was one of the hardest things is first it starts all with mindset and you have to get over the fact that, you know, there's going to be things that go wrong. Uh, there's going to be things that, um, you know, the, the staff's going to have to handle on their own and you're going to have to trust the people that you put in the place to handle those. And they may not always make the right decision or make the decision that you made, but you hired the team to make those decisions and you need to trust that. And so that was... That was something that was really hard for me to understand, but it was very important and it's the best thing I've ever done in my business is to watch my team be able to run it without me being present. Did you have certain systems in place or people went to a booklet when they had a problem? Like how did you have it set up where they knew what to do I, without I, the place burning down? And that all- Not literally, but- <laughs> Sometimes it feels like you're always putting out fires in a business. Um, mm -hmm. It's so critical to have the right team. And when I say that, I had an amazing manager. He knew the industry, he understood the team, and he understood how to get things done and how to fix problems. And so when there was something that came up, he could solve all of those without having to give me a call, without having to say, hey, we're running into this issue. I get the call occasionally of, hey, we ran into this giant issue, walk me through it but ultimately they would know how to get through anything that they, they were faced with. And that was, that, that was awesome. So you have this whole step process, how people can buy their time and, and you work with people and getting them to, they can have more time, whether they want to make more money in different ways. 
and work on their business, not in it, or just spend more time with family. Can you share some of them steps of what you've implemented now you help other people implement? Yeah, family is what we're seeing a lot of people wanting to spend more time with because yeah. it's, it's so precious. Uh, we, don't, we don't get to go back and, in time and spend more time with our family. So I'm seeing a lot more people wanting mm -hmm. that time with their families, wanting that time with their loved ones. And it's, it's a bit, it's a, it starts with a process of first, you need to understand your business and you need to understand that, you know, where your profit is. Are, are you making profit or are you a $2 million business, but you're making nothing in your $2 million business, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot out there that maybe a $2 million, $20 million business, but they're not making profit. So exchange in dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to understand your profit margins and um, you know, reading the book Profits First really helped great me. Book. Uh, great book, absolutely wonderful book. <laughs> I can't say enough about it. Really helped me understand that the profits what matters, not your overall gross revenue. Because you can have a large gross revenue, uh, but if you're if you don't have that profit, then you know it's a sinking ship. So understanding that first of all, you need to, you need to have profits is, yep. is, is step number one. Um, step number two is understanding what you do for the company. Writing out, you know, I do this, this, that. Write out a list, tells everything that you do for the company, and that way you know the, what you're providing to the company. And then knowing your value, understanding what would it cost to replace you, okay? Mm -hmm. Is that gonna cost hiring someone at a $45,000, you know, a, a salary? What does it cost for you to be replaced inside your business, mm -hmm. okay? After you figure out what it costs for you to be replaced inside your business, you have to get over the mindset of control. Hmm. You, 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 you gotta relinquish that control and understand that the team you put in the place, you hire them for a reason. And, and this is the thing I, I coach a lot on is, you hired your team, so let your team do their job. Don't sit there and feel like you have to make every decision. They're going to make decisions that you don't necessarily agree on. That's going to happen but it makes them feel more confident in the long run. And as long as you can be there to kind of guide them in the right direction, you need to support a lot of their decisions. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, that, that's another process is, is understanding and trusting your team. And then the final process is making it all come together, stepping away, um, take, take that, that week, take that two weeks and seeing what happens and explaining to your team that you believe in them, that you understand that they can run this without you being there and that you have full confidence in it. And you'll see a confidence boost in your team too with that. Yeah. I, it's something I notice is, is, is a confidence boost in it. So I love the fact that you've lived it, you breathed it, your <laughs> business is here, it's running successfully, yeah. and now you help other people do it. So you're coaching people going through this process. If somebody wanted to hire you, work with you, where can they find more about you? You can also go to Jacob K. Mead. Yep. Uh, backslash or forward slash apply. Okay. So they can apply to work with you. Yep. Also, you have a podcast that's coming out here soon, which I'm really excited about, where people are going to learn more about how to buy time. Yes. And you interview people from all over that are really understood how to buy time and get out of the position where they have more time, whether to make more money or to spend more time with family. So that's really exciting. Any other things, last words or inspiration for anybody listening right now? I, I'd say the most important thing I, I want people to understand is time is very valuable. Mm -hmm. um, but with that, it's valuable because it can be purchased mm -hmm. and it's doing the right steps to purchase time and understanding it's not a bad thing. It's not yeah. a bad thing to buy time um, and really focusing on what you truly want. Yep. So I just wanna say a few last things here. 
Follow Jacob on social media, Jacob K. Mead on all social media. He has some great videos. You're posting a lot of great content. Some recently at the Rise of Core Mastermind in Montana. Absolutely. <laughs> some great yep. stuff. Follow him on social media. Check out his videos and also check out his website at jacobkmead.com. Until next time, y'all, we'll see you later. Thank you.